Taste buds, you may forget what happened three seasons ago on that show that everybody's talking about, but you will never forget a delicious BLT made with unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise. Slather it onto a mouth-watering turkey club, mix it into a luscious garlic aioli, or layer it on a thick cheddar cheeseburger because of the unforgettable creaminess hours later you're going to be telling everyone with an earshot about how good it was try something new try unforgettably creamy Heinz mayonnaise and the new Heinz mashups mayo chup guess what that is mayonnaise and ketchup mayo q barbecue sauce and mayo mayonnaise yes mayo must that's mayonnaise and mustard and crunch all right my hungry homies my taste buds my culinary comrades my eating enthusiasts we've done it we are back it is another delicious edition of house of Carbs, the food podcast for the hungry people. By the hungry people, I am your hungry host, Joe House, and we are on the Ringer Podcast Network. What a show. We are back to school. We are back to work. The summer vacations are are in our rearview mirror. It is time to start looking forward to fall. A perfect time for our guest today, Amanda Clute, the editor-in-chief of eater.com they have a new podcast over there at eater called eaters digest amanda shares with us all of the hard work that they are doing over there at eater.com and helps us get hungry for the fall let's get in that belly with amanda clute I am excited. I know that's a change of pace for me, but I'm especially excited. We are back from summer vacation. It's back to school. It's back to work. There's a little whisper of fall in the air. The only way to properly take account of where we are at in the food world is with an old pal, a beloved pal. She is the editor-in-chief of Eater.com and co-host of the brand new podcast put out by Eater, Eater's Digest. Amanda Clute, welcome back, my girl. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Hey, Joe. So good to speak with you. We're, we're overdue. First things first, congratulations on your addition to your family. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah, I have I have two kids now. <laughs> yeah, you do. You you it's uh, wild. A, a, a beautiful baby girl. Uh, I've seen lots of pics on on the gram. Um, oh yeah. Let let let's let's touch very briefly because I do think it it kind of helps uh, set a a context for some of the stuff that we're going to touch on in today's conversation, which is some of the admirable work that Eater is doing. In terms of humanizing the food industry, you know, some of the, mm-hmm. the commitment trying to speak into existence, you know, kind of a new way of thinking about how to live and work in, in the food world. You took um, a nice, proper, sensible uh, uh, maternity leave and and had time to uh, uh, connect properly with your daughter for the position that, that you kind of occupy at at Eater, it's not like somebody mm-hmm. could just come in and stand behind you and do all the stuff, um, you know, be the connective tissue the, that, that sort of holds things together. What was your um, sort of reintegration like uh, when you came back? Uh, it was pretty smooth. I mean, luckily, uh, I've been doing this a long time and have such a good team. So the people working with me have been here a long time as well. So I am at the point where I can step away for a few months and know that 
you know, there's not going to be a bunch of fires and there, there won't be any emergencies. You never really know, but it was a pretty smooth period of time. So I would get, I had, um, my coworkers send me updates maybe every week, every other week, just like, here's something you might want to know. Uh, so it's not like that coming back from vacation and your inbox is a madhouse. Uh, right. so I was relatively up to date. And then when I came back in, it was, it was kind of nice. I mean, when I come back from leave, this, this is the same as with the first time I had a kid, it's just nice to be around adults again. It's nice to use your brain in a different way and think about real strategic issues. So I've always loved coming back from leave, uh, in that regard, because it can yeah. be a little, it can be a little isolating when you're just hanging out with a little kid all day. Sure, sure, sure. That makes uh, a ton of sense. Um, I'm interested in your perspective. You know, the food world changes, at least like to me, it feels like every six weeks, there's kind of <laughs> new direction, new, new innovation, that, that kind of thing. What was like the, the single biggest surprise, or maybe it was a couple surprises from when you left and when you came back, what, what, was there anything that, um, caught you by surprise? Um, I don't know if there was anything huge. It's always funny that when when you're following the food world day in, day out, the way that we are, some things that seem really big uh, can be really fleeting. So I, I can't remember what happened over the winter as I since I wasn't paying attention. But, for example, over these past <laughs> few weeks, the Popeye's chicken sandwich, like it seemed to consume all conversations for a week, and then it kind of goes away. And so I think that's what you miss out on when you take a big break is just all of the – all the minutia of the world that seems really important, you miss it and it's fine. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Popeye's chicken sandwich, I mean, mm -hmm. have you had it? Have you had it? I have not had it. I, I did not I did not get to make my way to a Popeye's. I'm I'm a little ashamed but also fine with that fact. Um, but I had an, I talked to enough people who tried it to know that it was good, but I don't think it would have blown my mind necessarily. Yeah. So, so, uh, did you, did you have it? No, I, I left the country and, and basically oh, missed the missed wind. It. I missed the window in which, you know, the, the 10 <laughs> days that it was available. Um, what, what is your sense? Do you think that this was a deliberate marketing strategy by Popeyes to, to sort of, you know, minimize supply, create the buzz and the furor, um, be strategic about it and, and, you know, sort of enjoy, a, a launch, you know, onto the food scene. And then this, this, they have now that what's going to be a relaunch, you know, maybe in October and kind of get the buzz yeah. <laughs> you know, twice. What do you well, think? I'm usually the cynical one here, but I, I think it was pretty organic in that they launched it and it took a couple weeks for it to really hit the furor that we saw. And then it was this kind of, you know, they were smart about it, but it was a lot of, the word of mouth, like people really enjoyed it. They like believing in Popeyes kind of over Chick-fil-A. There was that Twitter war that they had with Chick-fil-A that was very smart. Right. I think they probably shut things down because things were getting a little out of control. Like they started losing control of that narrative and stories started coming out about, you know, workers having a really bad time and customers having a bad experience waiting in line and then running out of everything else. So I think it was smart of them to kind of rein it in and, you know, try to try again in a few weeks or whenever they bring it back. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, I saw a lot of those stories as, as well. It did uh, absolutely have kind of the the uh, it was it was an authentic um, surprise. It felt like you know to, to them, uh, you know how it and the it really the height of the Fuhrer really to me crested uh, when, as soon as it became unavailable, like I, I was yeah. seeing, you know, in, in some of the, uh, um, I don't recall, uh, just the stories about people going to, uh, far off locales and buying sandwiches and then bringing them back to like urban places and saying, you can buy a chicken sandwich for a hundred dollars kind of thing. Like oh that, yeah. That, yeah. That, the that, retail that market was, was pretty intense. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, but I'm sure it's good, and I'm sure uh, it will. You and I will both uh, enjoy it soon yes, enough. We, can, we should try it someday when it becomes available. Yeah, that's right. Um, so I want to talk about kind of fall preview, and I want to do it through the prism of the delightful new podcast you and our mm -hmm. our, our mutual pal, the beloved Danny Janine. 
Um, how did you guys in the first place? It's Eater's Digest. Now, please yep. tell me that the 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 youth at at Eater appreciate just how brilliant that name is. <laughs> I hope they do. I don't. I don't know if they do. It just. I think it just hits so many notes that I I really enjoy. I I absolutely love it. Now I'm of a certain demographic that I grew up with Reader's Digest. You know, it was yep. in the doctor's office and at the dentist's office, and for a period of time, it showed up at our house. Uh, but mm-hmm. I I don't I don't know. I think I'm like a, just a little bit older than the folks that <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if people get that reference, then that's great. If they don't, I think it still works. Um, you know, it is a digest of all the stories, and then there's that. You know that second meaning, and that you're always digesting if you are here and care yes. about food. Um, yes. But hopefully, enough people get the reference to Reader's Digest as well, because you know it was it was an iconic publication for a very long time. So, what did you guys uh, have in mind in terms of the launch of this this new pod? What's the the mission statement? What's the purpose? Well, the idea for us is to really tap into our newsroom and all the experts we know to talk about what's going on in the world of food. Um, we've had podca- a podcast at Eater for about four years, but it's taken on so many different forms because we never really had a producer. Uh, mm. So it's kind of just been a little side project for whoever had the time, but we wanted to actually make a go of it, really try to put out something that was professional and, and it's still fly by the seat of your pants. Like, as you know, and it, it, you're sometimes you're just doing, figuring out what you're going to talk about that week. Uh, and that makes <laughs> it very topical, but yeah. also it makes it, it makes it a little stressful. Uh, but I'm the idea here is to be a, a yes. little more, yeah, <laughs> we're <laughs> slightly more buttoned up. We like to have a segment at the top where we have a, a topic that we're talking about that is a little more broad and mass. Uh, so we talked about spiked seltzer the other week. We're talking about natural wine uh, and then get into the biggest stories of the week that Daniel and I can just riff on. Yeah, sure. That makes a, a, a ton of sense. And, and I'm excited to listen to it, to, to remain abreast in real time as these things uh, develop. So um, speaking of, uh, you know, sort of keeping up to speed, we are like right on the brink. I mean, uh, summer doesn't officially end until September the 20th. That's two weeks from now. Um, yep. but you know, fall is in the air and I, I'm going to use some curse words. Sorry. Er, all, apologies to all my taste buds out there, but fucking <laughs> Starbucks already has the goddamn pumpkin spice all over the place. So, oh, yeah. y- you know, if, if we are, are, uh, taking our cues, from the the omnipresent Starbucks uh, season monitor, it it fall has to be right around the corner. That's the last. Oh yeah, they even s- have um they have cold brew now, pumpkin spice cold brew. Oh god damn it! That just I, <laughs> god damn I it. can't. I can't. That's it. That, no more. No more Starbucks. <laughs> no more pumpkin spice for the duration of this podcast. <laughs> um, so, so talk to me a little bit about what you guys are seeing, um, what you're anticipating. You know, we have it's it's like cookbook season is coming, right? I I know that uh-huh. my, our our pal Bobby Flay's got something coming out pretty soon. Uh, the shows are all ramping back up. You know, Netflix has its array, and and other um, entities in the space. Hulu's got some stuff, um, and, uh-huh. and restaurant openings. Um, what what kind of uh, items are your folks especially excited about? Oh, man, yeah, it's, it's all coming out. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we get the most excited about restaurants. So that's that's really our bread and butter and what people get into this for. So they're across all of our eater cities, and we have a couple dozen. Uh, we are focusing on the big, big openings. Um, one of my favorites that we've been watching for a while is a place called Onda, O-N-D-A, from Jessica Koslow and Gabriella Camara. So I think it's just because I love the superpower nature of it. Jessica Koslow is behind Squirrel in Los Angeles, which is a huge hit. Gabriela Camara is behind Kala in San Francisco and Contramar in Mexico City. And so I think having them come together to make something is going to be really interesting to watch. And the idea is it's um, it's celebrating the sister cities of Mexico City and Los Angeles. 
Oh my so gosh. I think is, that will be that will be a cool one. Is it physically in LA? It is in Los Angeles, yeah. Okay, well great. Another great uh, restaurant opening up in in Los Angeles. When when was the last time yeah. you were in LA? How recently have you been? Um, oh god, when was I last there? Um, I think was it a few months ago? Yeah, a few months ago. I think everything blends together now and when you have uh two little kids and don't get enough sleep. I I I I get it. I I'm I'm asking because I'm starting to feel slightly overwhelmed by the depth of uh, food opportunities in Los Angeles, and mm-hmm. it's a lot. part of that, yeah, part of that feeling for me is the combination of visiting um, places that have existed for a long time, like Koreatown, like uh, China, the Chinese restaurants in San Gabriel Valley, um, like that the you know the Mexican tradition there. All those things have existed in Los Angeles for a very long time, but they uh, are are just sort of showing up on the public consciousness over the, like the last you know eight to ten years. And kudos to our the to the homie Jonathan Gold for being mm-hmm. you know, a, kind of a person that helped open up a lot of those doors and and put you know those food uh, cultures those those traditions on folks' radar. Um, but then there's also this enormous sort of wealth of new restaurant openings that are occurring out there. And I know New York people don't like to hear this, but, you know, lots of exciting <laughs> food happening in, Lo- in Los Angeles. Do you um, share that sentiment at all? Oh, yeah. I mean, L.A. Is, has, as you said, long been a very exciting uh, city to dine in. But I think it, it just continues to get more vibrant, more exciting. More people want to move out there. More money is getting invested into those restaurants and those big names. So it's nice because you do get to, you know, you can go to a far-flung neighborhood and really explore and dig into some kind of hidden gems. And then you can still go to a big blockbuster, sexy opening that, you know, everybody's talking about. So there's just this nice, I don't know, variety of things you can experience there. I mean, it's similar. Yeah. It's similar to New York. Like we have these big budget restaurants, and also a lot of great kind of far out restaurants. Um, but it's 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 a little more expensive to get the backing in New York still. So I think that Los Angeles does have that edge, and and probably will for a long time. Is there something um, that you and your folks are especially excited about opening up in New York? Uh, there's a bunch opening in New York. Um, there's one I'm excited about from Lee Hansen and Riyadh Nasser. They're opening. There's an old restaurant called Le, my French terrible Le Vaudour, uh, which is one of those like really old school uh, classic French places, and they're kind of giving it a reboot. So I'm just interested to see what they do there. Um, but you know what? There are also a lot of good openings uh, in D.C. Joe. Yeah, so let's. I, I want to give a quick shout out to Lee and Riyadh because I've had probably four or five outstanding meals at Frenchette. Um, that uh, sort of take so on good. a bistro. So good, exactly. Our our mutual pal Adam Rappaport's been generous with his his time and and his uh, entree. So we've been able to get in there a couple oh, nice. times. The the only quibble I I'll ever advance uh, against Frenchette is they they offer a a beautiful delicious roasted chicken um, Mm -hmm. that that they claim is for two people and I mean (laughs) you eat the whole thing of course I do it's delicious the chicken chicken's for one but I I understand. In, in this, in the modern uh, palate, the modern uh, healthfulness, wellness kind of uh, era that we are in, that it's it, it would be proper to share. I always share, by the way. I'm not claiming that yeah. I go in there and it's elbows protecting the plate. I'm just saying, quantity-wise. And I think what was so exciting about Frenchette opening is that it sounded boring at the outset when it was like, oh, these guys who work for Keith McNally forever are opening a French place, like snooze. But then they opened it, and it was gorgeous and fun and modern. And like you said, they have this delicious chicken. Their fries are perfect. And it's just like great crowd, amazing natural wine. So they kind of, you know, tipping their hat to the modern taste of having more natural wines on the menu. And it was just really exciting. So to see what they could do in a place that already has this kind of legendary status, I think will be super interesting. 
Yeah, I'm excited for that too. I I will confess, I'm not um uh a big snails guy, but the scrambled eggs with snails, uh, which has a French name that I would butcher. Um, it's a must. It, it's <laughs> a must order there. every time I go. Yeah. Do you do, do you know what it is? No, I'm not gonna put it no. on the spot. <laughs> I can't possibly get it right. We would both butcher it. Um. So yeah, how about DC? DC has some uh, uh, a vibrant food scene going down right yeah. now. DC is awesome right now. Um, one place that calls out to me as an old millennial is um ABC Pony. I don't know if you've heard of this. It's from Eric Bruner Yang. He's oh. the chef at Brother Yeah, at, at the line and Maketo. Yes, um, yes. And it's going to be a an eighties and nineties themed all day cafe, blending Asian, Italian, and American influences. So, so that, that sounds wonderful to me. Everything he touches is, is terrific. He like you mentioned, at the line hotel, he has two kind of uh opportunities to enjoy eating brothers and sisters which you can kind of sit down and eat and then spoken english which is you know you go down the the corridor and down into kind of the lower sort of kitcheny kind of area and you do a standing you know uh uh, stand-up kind of tasting menu kind of vibe um very eclectic street foody kind of thing and maketo still churning along here in in dc cranking so Anything that EBY touches, I'm on it. So uh, I, I'm excited. You you beat me to the punch. I mean, I can't keep up with everything. Speaking of overwhelmed by the know, LA food scene, it's just too much. Like, you know, we, we all work for a living. Well, also, there's another exciting one that you might be able to weigh in on a little more. Like, Himitsu, I saw that the chef is leaving Himitsu and opening his own place called, I think, Emily's. or em- Yes. Yeah, Emily's. Yep. And then they're turning Himitsu into a place called Pom Pom. And what what's your take? What do you think? Are you going to go to both? They, they it absolutely deserves a visit. Both deserve a visit because of of the quality established by Himitsu and what a a terrific, you know, uh version of kind of uh, a combination of delicate Japanese, heavy kind of uh I don't know what the word, I don't want to call it sushi, but like such carefully, thoughtfully prepared fish um, in a way that that really harkens to other kinds of places, not traditional Washington, D.C. So that team, um, uh, oh, I, I'm going to mess up his name, um, but the, the two proprietors. Kevin, behind, Kevin, Kevin, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, that the Emily uh, concept, big brick and mortar place. It's already seen pictures. It's beautiful. People here are anxiously, anxiously awaiting it. And then Pom Pom is kind of like, you know, another thing, uh, another concept to, to, to try. I'm, I'm very excited. Yes. Yeah. So you got, you have a good fall of eating ahead of you. I'm, I, I'm, I'm excited. I, I don't want to even tell you how far behind I am with some restaurants <laughs> that have been open, you know, for like 18 months here. Um, that that I, I I just you know I I don't know when I'm gonna get to it. It's, the list just grows. That's what we'll say. It's a tough life, my friend. It's a tough life. You said it. All right, quick break from this outstanding conversation with Amanda. I want to talk about Taco Night. It's a magical night. It is the night where everyone can eat happy. The night where conversations are engaging. The mood is light no matter how you fill it. Everyone has their own perfect taco. But what if your shell falls over? Your tortilla dumps all that greatness onto your plate. That is complete devastation. The kids are crying. The meal is ruined. The game is over. Why risk the chaos, hungry homies? Grab! Old El Paso, old El Paso shells hold their own. The stand and stuff shells won't fall over. The tortilla bowls are soft but won't spill your perfected taco. They have even created mini tortilla bowls for kids' hands or appetizers. With Old El Paso, you can spend more time enjoying the food and company and less time scooping the meat and the cheese back into the shell. And to top it all off, the seasoning is the number one favorite 
in America. I have been enjoying the old El Paso. And in this not all about our boy LeBron James trying to trademark Taco Tuesday. I don't, I mean, is it really trademarkable? Everybody knows about Taco Tuesday. It preceded LeBron, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but still, these delicious stand and stuff shells from Old El Paso are true to form. You know what I've been doing, hungry homies? Ground lamb. Let's go ahead and get a little crazy out there. That's right, nephew Kyle. The ground lamb, it's available right next to the ground beef. It gives you something that's a, 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 a different kind of flavor profile, something a little stronger, a little earthier, very nice with the taco seasoning. Mm-hmm. And you, whatever other toppings you like, what are your taco toppings, uh, nephew? I got to throw some cilantro in there. Got to get the cheese. I feel out the sour cream. Sometimes it's a sour cream taco. Sometimes it's not. Um, hot sauce, for sure. I'm a Louisiana hot sauce guy, though. So well, the perfect weird. thing is... Louisiana hot sauce on a taco. Now I'm a crazy. I'm, I know. I know. No, no, I'm not. I'm not. No, you, you will not hear a criticism from me. You're giving me pause. It's an interesting concept. Different flavor profile from the taco seasoning. I'm trying to imagine that melding. I'm just going to have to do it. I'll throw the taco know- sauce on as well, but then also Louisiana hot sauce. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got it. I mean, it, it does add a cer- certain um, acidic sort of component to that to the heat that's that's different from some of those those other flavors all i know is with that standard stuff shell it ain't gonna fall over you're not gonna dump your louisiana hot sauce all over your plate that's the win don't waste a drop that's right old el paso grab the yellow box if you want more taco ideas hungry homies go to oldelpaso.com for recipes products and so much more Hungry Homies, support for House of Carbs today, brought to you by Smartwater. Great taste deserves great tasting water. That's why Smartwater created two more ways to hydrate with the same great taste you know and love. New Smartwater Alkaline and Smartwater Antioxidant. Smartwater Alkaline has 9 plus pH to help keep you hydrated while you are on the move. Whether you're climbing up a mountain or doing mountain climbers on your mat, or even just going from kitchen to table, grab a bottle of Smart Water Alkaline to move with you. Or, if you're looking for a moment of zen, Smart Water Antioxidant with added selenium helps you find balance for your body and mind. So the next time you are craving me time, grab Smart Water Antioxidant. And now there's a way to order Smart Water. Just ask Alexa, order Smart Water, and the rest is taken care of. Yourself will thank yourself. Smart Water, that's pretty smart. What are your folks thinking in terms of television, food television in particular, are there any shows coming up, uh, either the return of, of um, series or, you know, new entrants that, that are um, catching folks' eye? Yeah, what's funny about um, TV these days, as you know, is shows, because of streaming, shows come out all the time. So it used to be, I remember growing up and I would just like circle everything in the TV guide and I would get ready for fall and like, this is when I get to watch all the best TV. And now it's kind of all over the place. Like all year you get these great shows, but there's still some really good things to look out for. Um, Dave Chang has a new show coming out called Breakfast, Lunch, and Dinner, uh, which I think it's, it's still, I think a little up in the air, but it's basically, it's, taking some of the best moments of Ugly Delicious. Uh, and he's going to some of the great food cities around the world with celebrity friends and eating around. So sounds like it could be good. Most yeah, because exciting- Dave's not busy enough with all the other media stuff that he's doing. I plus know. The restaurant he's like, stuff. now a, a, like a media mogul, like right. <laughs> starring in TV shows, making TV shows, has all the restaurants. It's, it's a little intense. Has a podcast on your podcast network. It's true. The Ringer Podcast Network, the David Chang Show. Uh, this week, yeah, with you guys Headley run into each other all, in the cafeteria. I, I, I wish I'm, I'm still stuck here in Washington <laughs> D.C. He's out, he's living that La La Land lifestyle now. 
but yeah, so the other one that I'm excited about is called The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which is not necessarily a food show. It's about Jeff Goldblum exploring different obsessions of his. But it's apparently there's one episode about ice cream, one about coffee, and one about Korean barbecue. And he's just so wacky and weird that I'm super curious as to what he's going to do on this show. Yes, yes, I, I'm with you. That one is absolutely positively on my radar as well. He's uh, it, it at at nothing if nothing else. He's just such a winning personality, right? I mean, like yeah, he's so fun to watch. So it's just just seeing him eat, like the idea of seeing him enjoy something. I feel like uh, he's really going to channel some stuff for us. He's going to let us live vicariously through some stuff, and and it will be. Uh, I'm anticipating. You know, especially for the food-focused ones, uh, leaving hungry. Yeah. Uh, also, the Chef Show with John Favreau and Roy Choi is coming back. Um, Ina Garden Show is coming back. Girl Meets Farm, which is a Food Network show with Molly Ye, is coming back. So there's a lot of uh, classics that people really like that will be back on the air this fall. That's it, it, it's perfect. Um, what about cookbooks? Is anybody out there um, new entrants in the cookbook field that um, you're excited to see? Well, I'm always happy to see what Allison Roman is up to. Uh, yeah. She is, you know, the, this new doyen of cookbooks. But I think seeing her sophomore attempt will be very uh, exciting and interesting to a lot of her fans. Uh, we were talking about this at Eater, but it's interesting with her because she puts her work everywhere. It's not hard to find Alison Roman's recipes, but the point of a cookbook is kind of seeing how someone puts it all together, what their style is, the story they're trying to tell. Uh, so I think that's going to be one that I'm definitely going to probably buy and maybe gift this year. Mm. Um Queer Eye fans should know that Anthony from Queer Eye, who is the food expert on that show, has his own cookbook, and it's apparently very good, okay. uh, if that's what you're interested in. And also, Questlove has a cookbook called Mixtape Potluck, uh, and it's recipes from a bunch of celebrity friends and chef friends, and uh, he, I think he, he pairs music to each one, so he has a musical suggestion, and... He's kind of proven to be a really interesting food world figure where at first when he was getting into the food world, one might have thought like, oh, this is a little weird, but he seems incredibly invested. This is his second food book. Uh, he hosts food salons. I've seen him a lot of food fun charity fundraisers. Uh, so he's he's pretty committed to, to this, this world. Yeah, it's not a dalliance at all for him. Have you had an opportunity to sit down with him and interview him or at, at all? No, no, I, I wish. Uh, I should get on that because he seems just <laughs> super fun and, and interesting. Have you had him on the show? No, we haven't been uh, lucky enough to pull him down. But every time I see him talking about food, um, I, I, I marvel at it. I enjoy it. The passion is obvious. It's obviously authentic. It is um, clearly something that informs his approach to the world. And obviously that that makes us, uh, you know, ki there's a kinship there. Um, but, mm -hmm. you know, he, he, he's a he's a super duper world superstar. So, you know, having him uh, make make time for a little podcast like like this, you got to work hard at it. You know what I mean? We'll keep working at it. <laughs> we'll both keep working at it. Absolutely. You yeah. mentioned um, Alison Roman. I know that she um, helped participate in and put on uh, a little bit of an exhibit at an event that I really had my sights set on, um, put on by Eater this year. It was your Young Guns Summit. It was at the end of mm -hmm. July in, in Brooklyn, New York. And why don't you tell all of our taste buds about sort of what the concept was and just explain uh, the Young Guns sort of uh, idea, sure. the way that Eater's been doing that for a while? Yeah, yeah. So for the last eight years, we've been putting on this program called Young Guns, where we identify and celebrate young talent across the country. So the idea was to find people that really aren't being talked about yet, uh, using all of our editors on the ground and interviewing a lot of chefs and restaurateurs and anyone we can really get a hold of. 
And the idea is also to celebrate people across the industry. So it's not just chefs. It's not like best new chefs. It's uh, can be wine, you know, wine experts or GMs or chocolate makers or pretty much anybody who we think represents the future of this great industry. That's who we are trying to find. Uh, and it's incredibly challenging because there's so many great people out there. Uh, every year we usually put on a party to celebrate uh, our new class of young guns. But this year we wanted to switch it up a bit and put on a whole day-long event of conversations and, I don't know, events. Yes. So you, it, it was an all-day affair. There was a lot of, you know, high wattage food people. I mean, you had Michael Solomonoff. Uh, and Stephen Cook from the empire they have in Philadelphia. Um, mm-hmm. You had a- Amy Sedaris. You sat down and interviewed her. You had Allison Roman. Who else am I forgetting? Marcus Samuelson. Uh, pretty, Marcus Samuelson kicked us off for the day, which was amazing. Um, he's been a big supporter of this program for a while. Pretty Mystery, um gave a great talk. We had some awesome workshops. We did um, a butchering workshop and a chocolate tasting workshop. So we wanted to make sure that all of the young guns were involved too. So, you know, one of our young guns this year is a butcher. One uh, is behind dandelion chocolate. And so she ran us through a really awesome chocolate tasting. Um, We had another young gun do a donut making class. So the idea was to kind of show off their skills. And then also the other half was about conversation. So what is the future of this industry, what needs to change, how can we get involved? Um, and there were some super interesting conversations, I thought. Yeah. And on that note, one of the things that's um, worth calling to folks' attention, part of sort of the, this this class of awardees of Young Guns, um, they all, uh, you, you asked them, Eater asked them to all sign on to a mission statement that basically has a, at the heart of it, you know, a pledge to try and 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 better the industry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we asked them to sign this pledge to say that they would do what they can to eradicate um, homophobia, misogyny, like all the bad things that plague this industry. Like, have them be future leaders, uh, and that it's kind of like you know, it's a. It's a pledge. Anybody could sign it. But I think it signaled a lot of things for us. One, it shows uh, the world what we believe in. Two, as we were trying to narrow down our list of young guns, when we made reference calls, we would ask people, like, do you think this person that we're talking about could sign this? And for a number of people, their reference check said, no, I don't I don't actually think so. So it was a way to to get an answer we were looking for without having someone explicitly come out and say, this person is bad. They could just right. say, you know what, this person doesn't stand for these values based on my experience working with them. Uh, and thirdly, and this is a little unfortunate, but as the, you know, we started hearing more stories over the last couple of years about, you know, bad behavior in the restaurant industry, we were wondering like, what will we do if one of these stories comes out about our young guns? Because, Mm -hmm. you know, I know that there were conversations within the James Beard Foundation. Do we kick out former winners like Mario Batali or John Besh? Um, And I think there are a lot of organizations wondering what they do when they're celebrating people that end up doing something bad. uh, Because it's impossible to predict. And so this way we can point back to that statement and say, listen, you're not living up to these values that you signed on for. You said you were going to be a leader in these areas, and you're not. So we then have the ability to say, you don't, you're not in this group anymore. This is a community we're trying to build that's supposed to be super positive and you don't belong in this community anymore. So I think there's a a number of factors that that little statement um, can help us with. Yeah. And, and, you know, just basically setting forth um, what in many respects feel like common sense values in terms of human interaction within a, a particular industry on the one hand um it is dismaying that it's it's necessary Mm -hmm. but all of the things that have come to light about how shitty the industry uh can be to folks and especially uh women and especially people of of you know other walks of 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 life people of color and you know 
basically reaffirming that you know the 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 oldest of the golden rules let's let's try and treat each other the way that we want to be treated it's at the guts of all of it right um it it, it is still has that that a, a real power um at this moment do you agree absolutely absolutely because it it seems so silly to have to say it but i think we really do have to say it right yeah I'm I'm with you. So um, just uh, a, a quick pivot. I, I uh, greatly regretted. I was going to try and make a surprise appearance. I wanted to come up. This thing is so right up my alley. Um, the cooking, the people, the um, I- intelligent conversation about what's happening in the food world. I had to be in Memphis, t- Tennessee that week, which is why I didn't make it. So barbecue uh, and 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 fried chicken uh, were the order of the day. For me, well, that's but the, also, that's also pretty good. It has its it has its place, but the the <laughs> um, the the summit now has to go on the calendar. Last week of July, that's when it was this year. Um, so if it's if yeah, it's coming when, up, when I find out the date for next year, I will send you a save the date as soon we'll just, as I can. We'll just block it right off. Absolutely right. Um, <laughs> part of the thing um, that that has caught my eye that's also happening at at Eater. Uh, is all of the the work in kind of the, the video space. You have mm-hmm. a number of, of mini-series kind of going on, some that have been around for a little while, some that are kind of new entrants. Um, and then you have this collaboration with Hulu um, that's kind of underway. Um, I, I'm going to like just talk a little bit about the array of, of shows that I know that I check in sure, to yeah. occasionally on, on the YouTube primetime with my boys, Ben and Brent of, of meat hook uh, yeah. is, is incredible. And those guys are, are awesome. We've been working for a while trying to come up with the time to sit down together. Um, and they've invited me up a couple times to meet hook and we're, we're still working that out. I'm going to come up there oh, and great. eat with those they're guys. The they're, they're, they're great, insane. Great they're insane. And I love them. Um, but I, you know, you have kitchen gadgets, you have hollow hollow, you have omakase, you have queer table. Uh, what am I leaving out? Oh, I mean, there's so many, but those, but those are the big ones. Yeah, right. So, what what is the sort of current thinking on the video component of Eater? I mean, the the main thing is we want to tell stories that we are proud of and that you know, that touches on the rest of eaters. So you can look at it and see that it's an eater video, but also to be frank, we want to make sure it's hitting a big audience. So that's something that we have been working through a lot over the years. Like we made a lot of pieces that we believe in, but no one really watches it. Uh, And we have things that now we learn what does really well and how do we make that something that we believe in. So like that's, that's the main focus. So we learned yeah. that people love watching meat content on YouTube. So we had to think, well, what is what is the best possible show about meat that we can put out there? And we came, you know, upon this idea with Ben and Brent. And I think it's awesome. They talk about sustainability. They really teach some skills. You get to see how good they are. You get to see what's going on in restaurants with meat. And it's super, super entertaining, but also informative. So I think that's a great example of leaning into something that works and finding a way to do it um, in a way that makes us proud. And omakase is similar. Like people love watching uh, sushi on YouTube. And so I'm one of those people. My hands yeah, up right it's so, now. It's so soothing and beautiful. And so what a way to tell a really interesting, important story um, while kind of leaning into what can be successful. Yeah, right. Well, let's let's use that as kind of the launch pad for some conversation about this collaboration with Hulu. What do you guys have in the works exactly? So with Hulu, we have um, Vox Media, which is our parent company, signed a multi-year deal with them. And it's going to be a lot of shows over at least three years. And it's go- some of the shows will be made by Eater. And then some of the shows are going to be made by Dave Chang's production company, Major Domo. So right. my, my team isn't working with Dave's team, but we're all kind of making shows for this one overall deal, which is pretty exciting. Are you at liberty to share with us any of the shows you have in development? 
Well, the first show that we are making on the Eater side is called Eater's Guide to the World. Uh, we've had a lot of success in our travel coverage around, I don't know, not just the United States, but around the whole world. And I think our audience has learned that they can come to us to find restaurant recommendations pretty much wherever they're going. So if you're going to mm. Singapore or if you're going to Seattle, you can go to Eater. We can tell you where you need to eat. So we are going to try to kind of translate that expertise into a show. And it's it hasn't we haven't even started shooting it yet, but we're we're now figuring out exactly what form that's gonna take and we wanna make sure that you can get the you know, the eater authority and the eater point of view without it being a kind of old fashioned travel show. Like we want it to be super modern, super exciting, really watchable, but that you also, you also get some information out of it. And when, uh, should we start looking for this to, to what's, what's the premiere? 20, 2020 really. Uh, yeah. that's the sad part for me coming from the world of digital media where I'm used to like having an idea and then putting it on a website <laughs> that day. I'm learning with television. Like we have a PBS show as well. And it was very hard for me to get used to the fact that we, you know, it took two years to pitch the show and then it took a long time to shoot the show. And then it finally came on the air. Um, also, yeah, season two of our PBS show is launching in January. So Good. that should be uh, something people can look out for as well. Yeah. That's the show that Mark and Marcus Samuelson. Um, yeah. Yeah. Marcus Samuelson is the host. Uh, yes. He's fantastic. Yeah. Right. Right. No, I loved it. And he, he did a terrific job here in Washington, D.C. visiting the, you know, not very well known Ethiopian community. So it was true. Yes. But and I, I mean, Ethiopian food in D.C., another thing to put at the list. So I'm going to I'm going to let you go in a minute. You've been very generous with your time. I have one last thing for you as fall approaches. What what is your, uh, you know, your number one sort of. You're, you're, you're welcoming back, uh, sort of if it's a, if a particular food dish, a particular, uh, style of food, what, what are you most looking forward to with fall right on, right on the cusp? Oh man. Okay. So it's not, it's not a food. It's a, it's a beverage. I, mm. there's a coffee shop down near my office called black box, which is wonderful. And I, and I know that you can drink hot coffee all summer, but I just don't. But they mm -hmm. have this date date milk latte that they make, which is not that sweet, but it has a little, there's a little bit of sweetness to it. And I have a sweet tooth, so I just am psyched to be drinking warm coffee again with a little bit of a date flavor in it. As, as strange so, as that sounds, that's, that's my go-to. I'm making a scrunched up face right now. What's date milk? Um, I don't even, I don't even know how they make it, uh, but it's, it's delicious and that's, okay, that's I'll all take that really it. matters. It's the hint. It's a, it's some kind of liquid that contains some yep. kind of date, date properties and, there's, and it there's, makes for there are dates yeah. and it makes and, a, makes a great latte. And it, and is it, is it especially rich? I mean, what's the, what, what are the... What about it uh, just, reaches out? It just makes it a little, like, has a little, I don't know, interesting sweetness to it. Okay. Well, I, you know, I, I like to stick my head in when I'm in New York City. I like to come on down, stick my head when in you, the Eater, when you, Eater HQ. Next time in your, you're in New York, you'll come on Eater's Digest. I'll bring you a date milk latte, and yes. we'll catch up. Yeah, I mean, it it won't be as good as all the chocolate chip cookies that we had last time I was there. I mean, <laughs> no. I'm, not, I'm not no 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 offense to the delicious date nut latte. No, no, well, you have to you have to wait till you try it. So, yeah. what is um what's your go to fall food? Um, I'm just so excited about um chili. I just love chili. Mm. I love this. You know the 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 all of the. The hackneyed uh, you know, stereotype, the football kind of thing, and corduroy pants, and you know, <laughs> and just a very like earthy, rich. I I found a recipe that I absolutely fell in love with um, over last sort of fall into the winter, that has the, a, a a very sort of deep earthy kind of a, a chili experience it's like in the in the vein of of like what people call colorado um kind of chili 
Um, mm-hmm. But there's there's some there's a brightness that comes from some um, some peppers that I like. But there's a it's such a like a a, a deep kind of gravy experience that uh, with with big chunks of of like cubed meat. There's ground beef as well, but like this this experience where I can almost put the bowl up to my chin and kind of inhale it and and eat it mm. and let it get on my face a little bit. Um, and then I have a little cheese and onion off to the side, but, uh, chili season is right around the corner. That's what I'm excited for. Uh, that's awesome. Yes. Yes. I don't, I don't think it's, um, going to get to be fall weather in DC for a little bit because it is still yeah. hot down there, right? It, it's hot. It's going to be 85 degrees here tomorrow, but you know, like I say, <laughs> back, back to school, back to work. This is just the preview. We're just doing a fall preview. We're in good shape. Right. Someday you'll get to your chili. <laughs> <laughs> so it's right around the corner. Amanda Clute, the editor-in-chief of Eater.com, one of our beloved pals here at House of Carbs. Thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Joe. All right, my taste buds, my eating enthusiasts, there we go. My thanks, as always, to Amanda Clute. Can't get enough of her insights and all the exciting stuff that eater.com has going on. Speaking of exciting stuff, we are back next week. Next week's show, football season is underway. I'm not sure if you heard that, my taste buds. We are focusing on the chicken wing. Now, you've heard us on House of Carbs talk particular varieties, varietals, if you will, of chicken wing. We've had our beloved friend Rembert Brown on a couple times to extol the virtues of the lemon pepper hot that they do lemon pepper wet that they do down there in the ATL. But we're going to go a little bit broader. We're going to have a wing focus show. That's next week's episode. If you have some pictures of wings that you are enjoying this weekend, my hungry homies hit us on the gram at the house of carbs on the IG. Take a picture of your wings, throw them up and we'll give you some love out there. Do it for us, and then we'll talk about all these delicious wings next week. But until then, my taste buds, let's stay hungry out there. 